Associated, a podcast making venture capital more accessible. I'm Francesca and I'm joined today by the lovely Lois. Hello Lois, how are you? Hello, I'm very well thank you. It's a beautiful day in London and I'm excited to talk to our guest. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well and I am also very excited to welcome Jacob Klahout from Partech Ventures. Hello Jacob, how are you? Hey, Lois. Hey, Francesca. I'm very well. Thanks for having me. It is wonderful to have you. So where are you calling in from? So I'm currently in in Paris, um, where I'm normally living. Okay, uh, cool. Due to COVID, I moved back home for a bit, but now I'm uh, very happy to be back. Where's home for you? Home is Belgium. Okay. So I'm originally from Belgium, actually, my my ancestors. Um, But we did a quick hop across the well, a rather large pond to Australia. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Either uh, merchants or, or uh, someone that was quite naughty. We're not quite sure. Wow, interesting. Like, it's always great to meet fellow Belgians, uh, even if it was a couple of generations ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair few. Um, right, well, should we get cracking? Would you be able to give us a little bit of an insight into Partech, please, Jacob? Yeah, obviously, with pleasure. So, Partec is a venture capital fund that was started actually uh, way back, uh, 38 years ago, which is a fairly long time for venture funds, in Silicon Valley, but mainly by Europeans. So we have a strong European um, foundational identity. Today, we have offices in San Francisco, Berlin, Dakar, and Paris, where, as mentioned, I'm based. We are split across four teams. So I'm on the early stage team. We do investments uh, with a ticket size ranging from 200,000 to 2.5 million euros. We then have our venture team who does series A and B. Uh, those are around, let's say, ticket size 5 to 15 million euros. We then have our growth team. They do growth equity. So let's say a lot more mature companies, ticket size 20 to 60 million euros. Uh, and our fourth and, and last team is our team headquartered out of Dakar, but also with a presence in Dubai and Nairobi or, uh, or Africa team. As you might imagine, the rules of the game in, uh, for startups in Africa are fundamentally different, which is why we have a dedicated team, a dedicated fund uh, with dedicated LPs uh, for that. I don't know whether you want me to give me some more color as to the, the team I work on. Yes, that would be really good. I'd like to know a bit about your team and specifically about your role. Like, what does your day-to-day look like? What are you most interested in? Cool. So, as mentioned, I work on the early stage team. We are a generalist fund, which means that we can do things from very consumer tech, uh, direct-to-consumer brands, marketplaces, over to B2B software, to more, let's say, enterprise software, to then end up on the deeper tech side of the spectrum with anything AIML, dev tools, uh, some blockchain, and sometimes even hardware. What we're really looking for is, let's say, unfair advantages, right? That's what venture capitalists are looking for. We're looking for highly profitable and highly scalable businesses. Okay, so it might be easier to ask you what you don't invest in then? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. There's not a lot that we don't invest in. So there's obviously, because of, let's say, our agreements with our LPs, there's a couple of industries that we're not touching For instance, uh, gambling, uh, the sex industry, cannabis, those are things that our LPs don't want to deal with. So those are fields we don't invest in. But other than that, anything that is VC compatible, we are um, are willing to look at it. 
That is really cool. That must be so exciting for you. Like, did you have a specific area of interest when you joined the fund or are you a generalist now? So it was really interesting. So I, my own background, I'm an engineer by education. I mean, combine that with some management studies and then moved to Paris to go work in a startup team as an uh, early stage employee at, at a, a DevTools company. And there, I mean, I learned about early stage startups, got really excited about the, the dynamics of starting an early stage startup and then the relationship my CEO had with his board of directors on which there were some, some really good VCs. So that's where I, I started getting into VC Twitter. Uh, and one day I just discovered that Arctic was, was looking for someone with a specifically an engineering background to focus on the deeper tech side of the spectrum. So within the fund, we're obviously a very small organization or seed fund. We're only nine people globally. So a couple of people and, and partners, NSF, a principal and, and uh, a junior in Berlin. And then the rest of the team uh, here headquarters in, in Paris. So we don't have the luxury to have extreme fo focus areas, but anything that is, let's say, more technical than, than let's say, a, a marketplace would fall in, in my bucket. I'm curious to know, actually, how do you go about due diligence in a technical business is there particular steps that you take in order to really get to understand the product so i mean the number one thing that i always feel uh, when meet, meeting entrepreneurs especially working on, on deep tech solutions is uh, inadequacy <laughs> i always feel like uh, the stupidest person in the room and let's say that's a motto i try to live by so um i try to get educated as, as soon as possible read papers try to speak with experts in the field something i take a lot of let's say comfort and pleasure from um, it's not easy. And even within deep tech, you need to remain somewhat intuitive. But that intuition is only something that comes with age, I feel. So um, maturing as a, as a VC is, is definitely very real. Yeah, definitely. I think even some of my friends who work in VC who've been there two, three years feel like they've still got so much more to learn. And I would say particularly in your position where your investment thesis is so broad, you really do have to, to cover a lot of things. And that leads me on quite nicely to my next question is that because your thesis is so broad, how do you start picking themes that you think are up and coming and, and diving into that sector and identifying startups? What is your process? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a very interesting question. So when I joined Partech uh, now a year and, and a couple of months ago, you obviously learn what it takes to, to become a venture capitalist. You learn what type of signals we are looking for, what type of founders, what type of markets, what type of products. And then soon enough, you, you discover that there's basically an infinite amount of people working on, on super exciting stuff. Nevertheless, not everything is a good fit. So... How do I go about sourcing companies? I started working on automating some of the parts of the job. Being a junior in the fund, as mentioned, it's a, such an honor and you learn so much, but parts of the job are also tedious, right? You need to sort through databases. You need to scan LinkedIn every, every so often. Uh, and let's say I found that th those type of skills are very valuable and very important because it's a key part in, in sourcing great opportunities, but it's not the most, let's say, stimulating job. So I looked into automating some of a large part of that away. And so far, it seems to have been working pretty good. I think I listened on your podcast, Will, who mentioned that he did the same. So I, I could really relate to that. That's really cool. Did you did you notice any similarities in your approach and Will's approach when you listened or things that stood out to you as being different that you might want to try? Um, I mean, I think for early stage and uh, Hustlefund is definitely one step earlier than, than we are. Like what they do is, is almost revolutionary in the sense that partnering that early and that closely with founders, that's not something that we have the bandwidth for. 
we need to deploy 100 million funds, which means that we need to invest in a lot of companies and, and that also the ticket size needs to be on average, like at least somewhat significant, right? So we're not looking for the, the exact same stage. Nevertheless, I like to already start building relationships with people from very early on. So I think we use the same data sources and the methodologies are actually fairly similar. Just a while back, I spoke to Alex, like one of the partners at Speed Invest, who's currently also working on a project to automate some of the, the sourcing efforts there. So everybody in the industry is, is thinking and going about it in a fairly similar fashion, I feel. There's not a product out there for that, first off, because it's way too small a market to build a software for, I feel. And secondly, it is still your competitive advantage, right? Your speed to a deal is often the faster you are, the faster you can build a valuable relationship with the entrepreneur. And that often makes a difference between winning or losing a deal. So um, that's why we don't have just industry standard tools. Yeah, totally. And I think when we spoke to Will, one of the things that he called out as being challenging about automating these kind of processes was figuring out how to standardize the data or at least put it in a format that would make it easily, make it more easy to automate. What's your experience of that? Do you think there are certain sort of columns or areas uh, that you can't do that with that are a bit more qualitative, for example? Absolutely. So scraping is one thing and it's fairly easy. The hardest part is cleansing your data. So what I try to do is just give, let's say, a score to the different data sources, try to be as clean as possible. That means that I make sure that I have a couple of fields that are key and the rest are just nice to haves and different data sources should all have as much as possible the required elements. And from there on, you do a, a scoring system where if something pops up in one database, it gets a certain, let's say, score. If it pops up in another as well, that adds to that score. Uh, and it's, let's say, the hardest part is reconciling and, and providing that scoring system. Um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting, let's say, data science challenge. It's also really not world-changing. But let's say in the VC community, it's something pretty cool to talk about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm curious to know what's a nice-to-have. So, I mean, nice-to-haves, for instance is if I can automatically scrape the LinkedIn of all the co-founders, that's really nice. Uh, nevertheless, not true. Every data source is linked. Like It's not because you know the company link that you automatically can find the LinkedIn link to then have the co-founders private link. So you see there's, there's interdependency. Often you find them all, but it's not always easy to do that fully automated. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's interesting is that you're trying to automate this this process but I also believe that you started up another project to increase people's interest in venture capital and and get interesting deal flow from lots of different sources so it'd be great to hear a little bit more about that project yeah absolutely with pleasure so there's two observations right the first one was joining the venture capital industry looking at first what it means to do the job and how to do it in the let's say most scalable way by automating parts of it. The second observation is how venture capital is structured. Like you have a mission of making venture capital more accessible, right? That mission really resonates with me because venture capital today, just by the nature of how things are structured, there's at best 500 positions opening up for juniors in venture capital globally a year. Nevertheless, there's hundreds and thousands of people that, that would want to consider a career in VC. So there's a huge mismatch between supply and demand for uh, physicians. And because that difference is that big, it's not easy to, to hire people for a fund. If we, within Partech, open up a position, we have, let's say, on average, anything between 200 and 500 applications for one internship position, which is 
if you think about it, absolutely insane. There's, for venture recruiting, two ways to go about it. Either you hire a hunting consultancy to help you sift through all these potentially interested people and find, let's say, find the hidden gems among them. Nevertheless, what very often happens is you ask your juniors to actually find their, their next intern or the next team member themselves. And what then happens is pattern recognition. There's very few data points as to who gets hired within the industry at large, but especially within your fund. So what you're looking for is people that remind you of yourself. So often that means that people from your school, people that look and think like you, people that have similar experiences to you get put on top of the pile. uh, And they are the ones that then end up being recruited. And with that, you end up with a, let's say, almost vicious circle of monochromatic thoughts just because everybody in the industry is so much alike. Uh, and that kind of group think is, I think, a fundamental problem within the industry and one that we can sadly only change by changing the venture recruiting equation. All that was of interest to then come to what I'm building now is a platform called Merit. And the aim of Merit is to surface people that have the skills, drive, an ability to break into venture capital without any of the prerequisites. Like you don't need to have a Stanford MBA. You don't need to have done, I don't know, be the product leads at Revolut. The only thing that you need to do is a, is a good job on the platform. So to give you an insight as to what it actually is, it's a distributed venture capital platform where aspiring venture capitalists can, can practice the craft by doing a proxy of the actual job. So they join a virtual team of people who want to actively learn about early stage investing. And then much inspired by, let's say, game design, you gain points for committing to your mission. And people are rewarded for finding exciting opportunities, analyzing these opportunities and trends, and then providing constructive feedback towards each other. I like to think of it as a a GitHub for early stage investing. I was just going to say, it really reminds me of... um some of the programs that are around at the moment to help people learn to code, you know, where they join teams and people work together and everyone finds it very sort of collaborative. And I I actually think that based off of um, my own experience, but also particularly some of the guests we've had on this season, like VC is actually quite a collaborative industry and working environment in itself, which is something that I maybe hadn't particularly realized until this year but I think that that's a really nice part of what you're building because it is certainly reminiscent of what it would be like to work in a fund yeah absolutely like I work very closely with my colleagues on a, on a daily basis sourcing and the initial point of contact with entrepreneurs and you building conviction and exciting around the deal is at first something you most of the time do alone. I don't know a lot of funds that take all their first calls uh, in pairs. Nevertheless, as soon as that first interaction is done, it's all about building momentum within the team and within the fund. And you can only do that by working very closely with your colleagues. So uh, absolutely, that's thing that I really am building into merits as part of the, let's say, the identity. I'm quite keen to dig into a little bit more about the platform. So I join Merit and I join a team, what happens next? So there's three main responsibilities. So you join the platform, you get some educational content from great VCs out there. There's so much great content, so much great podcasts, videos, blog posts on on what it means to be a VC. VCs love talking about themselves uh, and about their job. So I I refilter and (laughs) reuse some of that content and and, and provide it to the participants. Uh, And then you're asked to source 
a company. So once a week, you're asked to submit one company that you're particularly excited about for whatever reason it can be. Could be a company that you know personally, a company that you've worked for, a company that your friend is starting. Like however you found it, you can submit it. It could also just be something that you found uh, on Product Hunt that you find exciting in the platform. So just by filling in some basic fields. And then at a second point in the competition, you're asked to analyze not only your own opportunity, but also two other opportunities of other participants. I ask you to look at team. I ask you to look at market. I ask you to look at product. And then everybody is asked to vote who did a better job of the two analyses. And at the end, uh, people also submit a score about now that they've read the two analyses and that they've looked into the opportunity, how excited are you about the underlying opportunity? And with that, I have, let's say, quite some data points at the end uh, about the quality of the analysis and therefore how good a job you do in, in analyzing companies, but also on the person who submitted the original company uh, on how cool and how excited are people about the opportunity. Because for an, a junior in the venture capital fund, finding exciting companies to invest in is, is basically your number one job. So with that, there's a, a scoring system. So everybody gets fixed points for doing the job and then uh, variable points for the quality of the job. Uh, and with that, uh, you rank in a totally anonymous leaderboard. And if you rank among the top uh, performers on that leaderboard at the end of the competition, then let's say Merit will open up its contact book and try to uh, get you introduced to, uh, let's say, a couple of the greatest funds out there who, who are all interested in, in getting to know people based on, on their merit. Mm, very good. What a close. I love the idea of Merit opening up its contact book. I think that's a really cool visualization. Um, Jacob, where are you up to with Merit? Is it in beta? Can people join yet? Or where, where are you up to in the development process? So first off, a little caveat, it's uh, being a venture capitalist, a junior in the fund is, is already more than a full-time job. So it's Partech by day and then Merit by nights and weekends. Nevertheless, I'm making real progress. So I was lucky enough to, to get some press uh, a couple of weeks back. Uh, and now I have a huge list of, of people interested in the platform. And now I'm onboarding the first beta users. So that's super exciting. So in the next couple of weeks, I should be able to have my first real user feedback. The first alpha users were basically my friends and, and family and everybody that was willing to give me feedback and, and spend time on the platform without having a genuine interest in VC. So now I'm testing it on people that actually care about the, the mission and purpose of, of Merit. So uh, very excited. Very cool. And I think you kind of touched on this. I guess one of the key challenges is that you have more than a full-time job. But I was kind of wondering what else has been hard about it from when you first set out to develop the platform and you had the kernel of an idea to now? What have been some of the, the trickiest bits to navigate? I mean, I think that's actually what I really love about this project is you really regain respect for, for, for founders. Like you come to respect the hustle so much more. Building something is so incredibly hard. Like there's so much inertia that you have to overcome. There's always reasons not to do something. And there's always things keeping you back and setting you back and design errors, or let's say even in your, in your infrastructure that are just not adding up. And I've, yeah, I've been quite frustrated uh, on those nights and weekends for quite some time. Nevertheless, if you continue to building and stick to, stick to the mission and, and to the idea, then, then you learn a lot really fast. And what is great now is now I have some market validation, like the fact that Amy at, at Sifted wanted to write an article about what I'm doing. The fact that there's like a, a lot of users, let's say 
potentially interested in joining like those beta uh, signup lists. It's giving me so, so much energy. So um, the hardest the hardest part is is finding the time uh, and and overcoming the inertia. Mm, yeah, and in terms of um, the team, is it just you? Are you coding it yourself? Yeah. So if you're not a venture capitalist, what I'm building is is hard to build because I feel you need to have a, a deep understanding of what it means to be a venture capitalist to build a platform to try and help educate venture capitalists. Mm. Um, so for now, it, it was just also easier given the fact that I could only commit my nights and weekends. It was easier being alone, but now I'm actually uh, onboarding, let's say, one, potentially two persons, like someone, someone from the US, an amazing girl. And then a second person from, from France uh, to, to help out. So um, to really exciting times. What, what will they be helping out with? So on one hand, the, the marketing and community management, like it's, it's not something that comes extremely natural to me. Uh, even though VCs spend a lot of time on Twitter, it's, it's still a job, right? Thinking about how to engage with your community, how to communicate with them, how to provide them the best experience, especially because it's the, the main goal is to educate people and to lower the barrier to entry to, towards, let's say, seeing yourself as a VC. And let's say one of the two persons will, will help out on that. And then the second person, I mean, was also just, she slipped into my DMs and, and really hustled, hustled her way up and said, like, I want to queue out. Uh, let me take some school credits for this and, and I'll, I'll help out with whatever. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that takes shape. That's amazing. And actually, we had a similar situation with Julia, who's now helping us out. And I think it's a huge compliment, right, that someone has heard your mission and your story and, and wants to help. And it's so exciting to hear and, and you know, nice and relatable. I hope you agree, Lois, that, you know, it, there's so many reasons not to do something um, and you're going to come across hardships along the way, but it makes it worth it when you hear people uh, validating what you're doing. Um, when we get an email from a listener saying we've enjoyed it so much or indeed um, Jacob, how you, we met that you dropped me a, a note on LinkedIn saying that you really enjoyed our episodes. It really does make the long evenings totally worth it. So, yeah, I'm so excited to see how uh, Merit progresses. And obviously, you've learned so much along the way. But in addition to that, I can imagine the the interesting deal flow that you're going to get access to. That's so exciting. And also, perhaps, sort of ideas and how people evaluate businesses can probably help you in, in your day-to-day work at Partech. Absolutely. I think that is one of the traps after a while in, in venture capital people fall into. First, people become like cynics, like everything. There's always a reason not to do a deal. And you basically become trained uh, to see the flaws in business models, inefficiencies in market, and the, the failures in products. Nevertheless, you need to remain, let's say, positive and, and optimistic and, and always see, say, what could work. Because there's a hundred reasons why Shopify could have failed. There's a thousand reasons why, why Apple on paper would have been a bad investment. Nevertheless, it, it's those outliers that, that return your fund, right? And that will break a career. So um, yeah, it's great to have other people's inputs for that because after a while you take your own reasoning for granted and having a fresh, new, sometimes even outsider take on, on certain business models can, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will be refreshing. Nevertheless, obviously, like 
you can't be an expert on everything. And especially someone that just joined the platform, the quality of, of the analysis will most likely not be super, super high. Nevertheless, I, I really believe that with the right framework and let's say after a couple of iterations, people will be able to do a, a decent proxy of the job, if not a better job. Definitely. And I've, I've got a bit of an interesting question. What do you feel like you did that made you stand out over the other candidates that were applying to Partech? So um, that's a very good question. And I honestly don't, don't really know. One thing I can say is that I was extremely prepared for my interviews. Uh, and I think that's, let's say, something that comes back quite often. I had researched everyone at the fund. I knew the portfolio and we have I think we have 160 portfolio companies. So we, I knew almost all of them. Say they could drop me a name and I would tell them what the, the company did. And then even, let's say, on the best performers had done my homework on where they were from, what they were doing. So, so just being extremely prepared uh, is, is definitely one thing. And, and secondly, I think hustle, just being extremely proactive in your communication. If you... If you don't hear back from a fund that you know you had a good fit with during the first interview, what's the pain in, in putting another email, right? Um, so making sure that you help them make the right decision by, by providing them as smooth communication process as possible uh, is, an, is another aspect. And the last one, I think it helps to be deeply passionate about, about the industry. If you, if you showcase that you know what the major actors are, um, that you care about what venture capital funds do, then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's infectious, right? Mm. And how do people who are just starting to learn about venture capital figure out if they're passionate about it? That's not an easy question, but then I come back to the point I made earlier about the fact that VCs love putting content out there. There is a lot of content out there. There's people like yourselves uh, who build uh, fascinating, super entertaining content to to help make the job of a venture capitalist more, let's say, relatable, accessible, understandable. So just going through that content, obviously you can't go through all of it, but understanding what it means to be a venture capital fund. Like a lot of people applying to venture capital don't really understand fund economics. Uh, it's, it's not at all rocket science. You just need to sit down and spend half an hour understanding the different actors, the, the money flows, so that you understand what it means to be a VC fund and obviously do some benchmarks as to whether or not you're joining a, a good fund or not, or at least a financially performing fund. Then secondly, understand the, the job of sourcing. If you're a junior in, in a fund, that means you'll need to do sourcing. So showcasing that you have a deep understanding of what is moving on the startup markets? What are exciting upcoming markets? What are exciting upcoming technologies that provide new opportunities? Where are the exceptional people uh, that, that the fund would want to back and try and monitor their, their pulse from very closely? You don't need a fund to do that. Uh, so I'd advise to, to try and get as close to the startup ecosystem as possible. I totally agree with all those points. And I would say also those are very transferable to... Um, a founder as well and making sure that you're incredibly prepared when you meet a VC um, really understand your sector and be ready to uh, list a number of portfolio companies that you admire within the fund and also be aware that there might be a few that would be a conflict of interest so there's no point approaching them in the first place from your experience what gives the startup the edge for you uh, when, when they approach you, what really impresses you? I think 
for me, what I really value is um, problem founder fit. Sometimes there's entrepreneurs that, I mean, that come up with a direct-to-consumer shampoo brand and you feel that, that I mean, it might make sense, uh, nevertheless. But they're bold. <laughs> but they're bold and they just really want to be, let's say, a startupper. <laughs> they really want to have a founder on their, on, their, on their LinkedIn. And then there's other types of people who have, let's say, deep expertise in fields and or that have a really deep connection with a type of problem that they then go out and solve just because there was no solution out there. Uh, that that was actually satisfying the, the needs. I think, for instance, if you look at like the CEO of Zoom, which, which we're using now, he had so much experience building web conferencing tools and he knew there must have been a better solution. So he went out and built a better platform to, to do so. Uh, and it's that type of problem founder fits where you, let's say, combine deep expertise with like a genuine understanding of industries and value chains if I feel that in a founder, that is something uh, that is uh, is very hard to come by and that helps make the case uh, very often. Yeah, definitely. Would you be able to give us an example of an investment that Partech made where the founders definitely showed those qualities? Yeah, absolutely. So I helped out on, on an investment and now was lucky enough to, to be able to also join the board together with Gradient Ventures, which is uh, the um, early stage AI fund of Google in, in San Francisco. Uh, and it's called Kaizo. And there, one of the, the co-founders, Dominique, he has built a business in the same space before. And you felt that he was so deeply passionate about the, the space. He built a business before that wasn't a large success. Nevertheless, he came to us and pitched his business and spoke about his experience saying like, okay, last time I did X, Y, and Z wrong. And now I want to get this right. And now he's building, let's say, an AI for, for customer support agents, first on, on Zendesk to, to optimize their workflow. Uh, and they will now expand onto other um, customer support tools. Uh, and there you could really feel the passion and the problem market fit. He knew all the softwares out there. He had encountered the, the different actors before. So that is something that you know, like, okay, I'm not only buying into the equity of your company super early stage, but I'm also buying the whole experience that you have uh, and the learnings that you've, you've had in, in prior experiences. And other than an absolutely stellar team at Partech, what is Partech's USP, so to speak? That's a very good question. And it's a question that a lot of venture capital funds ask themselves, right? Um, we are a multi-stage fund, which is, which is really cool in the sense that we, we know what it means to do Series A investments. We know what it means to be a growth stage companies. We have a portfolio that reflects all those different stages. So we have a founder community of all of our founders that, I mean, once a year get together in, in San Francisco at our founder summit together with, with our LPs. But we also have, let's say, a team of people, we call them our BizDev team. And it's their, their day job, basically, to constantly try and provide value by connecting people within the portfolio with each other or connecting them to um, some of our LPs. We have besides the standard uh, LPs for, uh, institutional, we also have corporate LPs. Let's say, uh, I think it's uh, about 40 of Europe's largest corporates have, have invested in, in our funds. And with them, we try to then build bridges, see whether or not there's potential sales opportunities, but and then later down the line, potential acquisition uh, opportunities. For instance, we sold uh, a couple months back, Boris Golden sold um, a company he invested in called Deshbox, which was a French meal delivery uh, for, let's say, in the suburbs, sold it uh, to Carrefour. 
so that was definitely uh, an, also a very interesting way to create, create synergies between founders and RLPs. Nice. Laura, should we go on to question time? I would love to go on to question time. Question time. <laughs> we should have a jingle. Do you want to make a jingle? I recently took up learning the guitar. I don't know if I've said that on the podcast yet. Oh my goodness, we should do an associated sing along. Exactly. Maybe we could do a jingle together. <laughs> For Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, let's do question time. Okay. I'm going to start you with an easy one. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I, I am an uh, night owl, but I try to be an early bird because my, my mother always tells me that you should get up in the morning if you want to change the world. Oh, yeah. That is so nice. I am. Um, I feel the same way. I always do like loads of research and work and stuff later at night, no matter how early I get up. All right. Question two. What would you prefer? Going for a bike ride in the park or on a peloton? <laughs> I know on VC Twitter, everybody is very excited about pe- uh, pelotons. Uh, I don't know if you, you have one. Uh, I've actually never uh, ridden one. So uh, I maybe. Uh, and maybe not the right target. Also, my, my apartment here in Paris is really small, so I don't think I have place for a peloton. So, uh, <laughs> my, who needs a table when you can have a peloton? <laughs> so who needs a bed, right? Uh, no, so, um, so I would definitely go for my bike ride. I ride my bike everywhere in Paris. Uh, it's slightly dangerous, uh, but it's it's the best way to to go around. Yeah, perfect. I agree. I think. Um, Peloton feels very unattainable to me as well because, first of all, I don't own a home and I live in a small rented flat. And secondly, aren't they like super expensive? They're two and a half grand. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's uh, let's say, principal at least. Actually, you need to be GP for that, right? Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon. <laughs> exactly. It's not very... <laughs> you know, you've made it if you can buy a Peloton. <laughs> Peloton is not very on brand for the associated podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, you should send them an invoice huh, for all the <laughs> for all the good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe we'll try and get a free gift sometime. Um, all right, cool. Two or three down. Um, the last one's a little bit harder, but I'm interested in whether you have a role model in the VC ecosystem or startup landscape, actually. Let's broaden that out a bit. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people I really look up to, but let's say the, the most distant one that I haven't met or, or will probably never meet is like uh, Peter Thiel. Like what, what he has done, his career is, is super impressive from being part of, let's say, the, the PayPal mafia to then creating his own super strong fund, being on cutting edge technology. Uh, I mean, sometimes he makes choices in, in terms of like who to back politically uh, that I, I don't necessarily uh, agree with. But in terms of track records, that is really someone I feel has, uh, has really earned his place, the upper echelons of, of the VC, uh, VC world. Yeah, I think um, we frequently end up recommending his book, Zero to One, on the podcast. And so probably would agree with you, although the political leanings are important to note. <laughs> No, absolutely. It, I think it really changed my life because it's thanks to uh, his book that I decided, like, you know what, I should have the courage, join a super early stage startup, make, let's say, that risky bet. Um, and I mean, so far, it seems to be working out. So uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Well, I'm actually going to throw in another question on that note of so far as turning out and you know, in the future when you become partner, what will you call your venture capital firm? 
I mean, there's we need to stick to to the brand, right? I would call it the merits. So uh, merit merit VC, right? That that, that very was, uh, nice. <laughs> very I mean, nice. I, I, I'm doing it for cost saving reasons. I already have the domain name, so. Uh, <laughs> Well, you heard it here first. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that coming into fruition. I think that's a great name as well. You've already cracked it. Like people getting in on their merit. It's perfect. Cool. Thank you for answering our question time questions, Jacob. Even though Francesca cheated and added a fourth one in, we appreciate that. (laughs) Um, Let's wrap up. So I think a couple of last questions. Is your fund hiring at the moment? So in short, no, we just recruited three people on our, on our different funds, uh, someone from Australia, someone from Canada. So um, sadly right now, no, but I mean, we we're quite a big organization. We have new opportunities opening up quite regularly. So yeah, if you're interested in potentially uh, joining them down the line, uh, I would heavily <laughs> advise you to go to, to Merit because that is definitely the, the first place that I'll be looking for yeah, someone to join the team. yeah wonderful and you already shared some tips earlier on in the episode about how people can prepare well for interviews and that kind of stuff if people do want to go and join merit what's the what's the best way to find it what's the url so the the url is uh, merit-vc.com and the best way to get in touch is leave your contact details there like you can subscribe to, to the beta relatively easy and if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can always just slip into my DMs. We've mentioned earlier that that is a quite effective way of, of reaching not only not only me, but actually quite some people in the industry. Or you can, if you're a founder and you are looking for seed capital, I mean, always happy to talk. Go to my LinkedIn because my, my email address involves my last name, which is very hard to spell. So uh, <laughs> I leave my I leave my, my email address on a, on a couple of different places. So it shouldn't be too hard to, to connect. And also, um, it's probably worth uh, doing a shout out to the VCs out there reaching out to you if they want to get involved with the Merit app, um, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I on, on the website, I have a form that, that funds can fill. I, I'm already super lucky to have more than 60 funds registered. So um, if you're interested in learning more, please just fill in the form. Uh, happy to keep you in the loop. Uh, and down the road, let's say the, the interesting learnings that come out of the, the platform to, to share them with, with you as, a, as an audience. Incredible. All right. Thank you very much, Jacob. This has been really fun. I think your answers have been super useful for a broad range of people. So I think this episode is going to be a good one. Yeah. Thank you, Jacob. Um, I'm so excited to watch how Meritat progresses. It's such a fantastic tool and congratulations for building it. Thanks. Yeah, I second that. Congrats for building it. I'm really excited. I want to sign up and play around with it. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> I'll, uh, I mean, I tend to filter out people that are already in the industry uh, from the beta list, but uh, I, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> okay, thanks. I appreciate that inside track. Cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So thank you so much to our listeners for tuning into Associated. Remember that you can get updates on the latest guests that we're going to have and episodes that we're releasing on Twitter. We are at associated underscore pod. Uh, You can also email us. We're on associatedpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch with questions for any of our guests or questions for us or feedback and suggestions, we're always open to that. So please do subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening to this and we will see you next week. And don't forget to check out our Notion page. We've got some seriously interesting articles and insights and we'll be linking the Merit app there as well as the zero to one book recommendation. So yes, thanks for listening. Bye.